News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is technology news. This is from TechCrunch. Ring doorbells recalled or recalled? Probably recalled. I probably want to say that recalled. Wait a minute. Recalled or recall? I think I it, say it both ways. <laughs> it's a recall, I think. Yes. But they're recalled. Maybe? Or are they recalled? I feel like we're, <laughs> we're leaving this in. I feel like I say recalled when it's part of like an official recall, but recalled is like when you remember something. I recalled my yes, yeah. like I recalled this thing that happened. Yeah, or maybe like, it is just recalled. I recalled if it's a recall. my object. I don't know why you would. Do you, do you recall something in the physical world? Normally, it's like a I don't concept. Know. There's that one Harry Potter spell, Osseo, that's like brings an item to you. That's yeah. like recalling something. That's like recalling something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Ring doorbells recalled over fire threat. I think I saw something about this, but I don't know any of the details. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty much what it sounds like. Uh, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, or CPSC, has posted a recall notice for Ring's second-generation doorbell. Uh, some thir- uh, 350,000 units in the U.S. and 8,700 in Canada are being recalled over fire and burn concerns. I'm super just like, every time I say it now, recalled, I'm thinking yeah, about see, it. Like, see, like, you naturally said are being recalled, right? Like, you wouldn't say are being well, recalled. you say naturally, but I this, <laughs> the amount of brain power I'm putting into each time that I have to say this word now. And it's in here so many times. Okay, Good let's luck. keep going. The recall comes in the wake of 23 reports of fire. I'm laughing because of recall, not because of that. And eight reports of minor burns related to the model. So quite a few cases. It's not just one person's burst into flames. Several have. Um, According to the CPSC, the issue relates specifically to the use of incorrect screws during the smart doorbell's installation. Uh, Ring says the issue should not impact users as long as they only use the screws included with the system. So, oh, so um, if you for some reason don't use the screws that come with it, but use your own screws to attach it, yeah, it sounds like if you use your own screws, you can damage. <clears throat> excuse me, you can damage the doorbell's battery. So oh. maybe if they're like just too bit, like slightly too big or something, you might accidentally drill through the battery, and that can cause this problem. This seems like bad design. Yeah, probably. Really seems like maybe the battery shouldn't be so close to the screw. Yeah, hole. like why is the <laughs> why is the battery so close to? <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm laughing. I'm imagining the battery is somehow like all around the screw hole, except for just like w- just that spot. Like, why would you design it that and way? You're just like screwing very carefully, <laughs> yeah, trying yeah. not to not to touch the battery. That's it's like the game. It's like the it's game like operation. operation. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, no, oh, my whole house caught on fire. Um, um, anyway. Uh, per the CPSC, consumers should immediately stop installing the recalled doorbells. Which I just like the idea that somebody like gets this notification while they're in the <laughs> they're middle like of drilling it like, into the. Oh, oh wait! Oh, whoops. oh, oh, oh uh, drop everything! Um, and they should contact Ring for inv- revised installation instructions. Revised or revised? Uh, it's, <laughs> 
I, sorry. My brain, my brain is ruined forever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it sounds it sounds like these things are exploding. Well, not exploding, but bursting into flames, which is almost as bad. Uh, and it's not great. Uh, so be careful. Yeah, if you have one, I guess. Stop, and stop installing stop. it. <laughs> stop. If, you're if you're listening, listening to this, to this and you're in the process one, of installing stop. one of these, stop. <laughs> stop and make sure you're using the right screws <laughs> so you don't get operationed. Okay, my first story is archaeology news. This is from the BBC.com. And the headline is, Pigeon Message Found Over a Century After Being Sent by a German Soldier. Okay. That's a, long. Like, carrier pigeon. <laughs> That's a long time. That's a long time. Yes. More than a century after it was dispatched by a German soldier, a message sent via carrier pigeon has been found by chance. A couple out for a stroll in the eastern French... Uh, Alsace? I don't know how to pronounce that word. A-L-S-A-C-E. How do you pronounce that in French? I feel like I knew this at some point, and now I don't. Yeah, because like in... Alsace. That's, that's like probably, a, not probably not it. That's probably <laughs> Italian, but okay. In this French region, they came across a tiny aluminum capsule in a field. They were just walking through a field, and they found this like really tiny capsule thing. And they picked it up, and inside was a message written in German and it was really faded and it was on this like tracing paper. And they thought that they saw a date on there of either 1910 or 1916. It was hard to make out. And then they found, or they brought that finding to the uh, Linge museum near where the discovery was made. And now this message and its container will become an exhibit there. Um, Dominic Jardy curator of the museum. He thinks um, 1910 is likely the date on the paper. Uh, and, it's a super rare finding apparently. And it like, they figured out like they, you know, look, they figured out what was written on it. And it's basically like a soldier communication that they just happened to find like from the first world war. So, wow. Like, so I guess the message never got there. Probably. Did they find the pigeon? (laughs) They did not find the pigeon. It makes sense. It'd have to be a very old pigeon. Also, this this article didn't say like what the message said. I'm assuming it just like wasn't that exciting or yeah, something. That's... But like it just says like yeah, you know they translated it. It was in German, and it just didn't say what it was. Like, so we fully understood it. It was. <laughs> it probably yeah. wasn't really like anything remarkable. Yeah, it's probably in like the hey, we're gonna be over here. Today. Yeah, just kind of like an. <laughs> you know, like, we're gonna be in the... this field. We're gonna like... be in this field over there today. Bye. <laughs> Something like that. Love and kisses, German, sol- <laughs> German soldier. <laughs> they just refer to themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to be over here uh, loving, loving hugs, okay? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so, yeah, so I don't know what it said, but but there's a picture of it. Yeah, and it's like, it's an authentic um, thing from like 1910. So, pretty cool. Yeah. You think the pigeon dropped it or was it foul play? But does it count as foul if it's... Never mind. <laughs> My next story is animal news. This is from Gizmodo. Deep water sightings of rare big fin squid reveal some serious weirdness. Okay. Which seems kind of judgmental. 
if I may say so, about oh. the squid. Well, maybe it depends what the weirdness is. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was that weird, honestly. Okay. Uh, an extensive survey of deep waters off the coast of Australia has resulted in five new sightings of big fin squid, an exceptionally rare deep-sea creature. Uh, the new paper, co-authored by marine biologist Deborah Osterhage from CSIRO Oceans and Atmosphere in Tasmania, Australia, mm-hmm. describes a recent deepwater survey in which five of these animals were captured on camera. Uh, to date, there had only been three confirmed live sightings in the Southern Hemisphere. So they more than doubled that with this study. Um, and they had all been in the Eastern Pacific, so these were the first ones around Australia as well. Hmm. Uh, dead specimens, mostly juveniles, had sometimes made an appearance, but they were often badly damaged. Um, I mean, presumably they were fished up or like ended up on yeah. shore somehow. I have a question. So this is a different species than just the giant yes, squid? Yes, this is a different... Yeah, I should have clarified that. It, it, it's, a, it's a unique squid. It's not okay. quite as giant as the giant squid, but it's pretty big. Okay. Um, the big fin comes from... You know how squid have kind of those like flaps on the side of their head yeah. body part? Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you call that? Is it the body? Is I it the head? Think what you, is I it? think it's the, the body, but I don't... Let's go with body. Yeah. They don't we'll have call a it head. the body. Yeah, I don't think they technically have a head. They're just like eyes on their body and a mouth under it. It's weird. They're a weird animal. Yeah. Um, but those flaps on the side, the they're particularly large on these squid. Hmm. Okay. Like giant squids like this, and a big fin squid's like this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not gonna just be. Just so I can anything. visually yeah. describe that to, to the listeners here. <laughs> Anthony just used the the distance from his of his arms from his body. <laughs> And he went from like really close to like half his arms length away yeah. of, of there's pictures the ratio. Of, there's pictures in the uh, in the article which we will link, and that'll be okay. a better way to understand what I just did. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, the anyway, the resulting data from the study is filling in some important gaps about big fin squid, such as their distribution, physical characteristics, and behavior. Um, these squid have large fins, as I demonstrated, and <laughs> long, uh, quote, vermiform arm and tentacle filaments, which can be up to six feet long. Um, so they have, like, their arms and tentacles, but then, like, off of those, they have these really long, thin, like, almost thread-like things. Almost, It almost looks jellyfish tentacle-like in that it's just, like, these really long oh. bits that just kind of hang off. I'll show hmm. you a picture. Okay. It'll make more sense. It's a fringe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly how they that's exactly how the science describes it too um from 2015 to 2017 the team scoured a region called the great australian bite b-i-g-h-t which is a large open bay off the continent's southern coast with a remotely and they did this with a remotely operated vehicle called investigator which was equipped with a high definition video camera lights and paired lasers a camera towed behind the boat took still photos every five seconds um, and with this setup, they covered 108.5 square miles, uh, collecting 75 hours of video and over 10,000 still images. The towed camera scanned depths between 3,104 and 10,689 feet. Um, so they had it was like pulling behind a camera that was really, really far down, and that's, I think, how they got these images. Hmm. Um, but yeah, basically they learned more about like their coloration. They can kind of range from like a pale white to a reddish color. And since they're squid, they probably change color a little bit. I think mm. that's pretty typical of like uh, cephalopods. Um, their beha- they saw some, 
the weirdness I guess they were alluding to was this behavior where they would they tried to describe it and I'm not sure if I'm grasping it but basically they it sounded like they kind of oriented themselves vertically spread out their like tentacles but then like bent the ends of them at like a 90 degree angle they called this the elbow pose or like elbow okay. position or something cuz it just looked like they're they had like a joint in their tentacle but they don't oh. and it wasn't really clear why they did that like there wasn't they like they just naturally do that and they don't know they just do that why? and they weren't sure why so yeah i don't know that's that's the weirdness yeah i guess that's it okay <laughs> i mean yeah i guess that's kind of weird but that's not like these are so weird these animals like it's just like okay yeah like, they just i don't know do this weird pose they also said that the five that they saw two of them were grouped like were relatively close to each other and three of them were and the other three were in also relatively close to each other so they're like two little groups of them so they're wondering if they are like social creatures or just hmm. have like stays some yeah I, well so like two or three like that size doesn't really strike me as like oh these are social creatures like yeah for some maybe reason. social's like, not the right word it's more that like maybe they stay in the same general territory so mm. that they can like reproduce and stuff. Yeah. Like, maybe that maybe they have like almost like families or something yeah, like that. Something like that. The, know, who knows? We don't know. Yeah. yeah. We, just, we don't know enough We're yet. Still, I think. We've literally seen them alive eight times. Yeah, now. I know that's like not enough <laughs> <So> times. <laughs> probably need a little bit more uh little more studying before probably. we probably I didn't even know this squid was a thing. I didn't know this yeah, was a species. I had never heard of that. I heard I of a giant think, squid, and that's it. Yeah, I don't and think I had ones. either. When I and I, I, I like to think I uh, keep <laughs> uh, I keep abreast of uh, deep sea creature news. Hmm. This is kind of what they look like, though. Oops. Oh, I want to see. Not kind of. This is what they look like. This is the <laughs> picture of one. Whoa! That doesn't even look like a squid. Oh, I see why it's a squid. Okay. Yeah. Actually, let me show you a different picture because that one doesn't really. Well, that's a little blurry, but you can kind of see it at the bottom there. Yes. These um, have the big fins. Yeah, those are very large fins. Much, much larger than any other squid I've ever seen. They're like, I mean, the fins are like bigger than the body practically, right? Yeah, they're, yeah, all together. Yeah, it's probably more surface area than yeah. the body itself, which is kind of cool. Okay, my next story is science news. And this topic was actually sent to us by listener Maurice. Thank you. Uh, the, uh, this is from sciencealert.com, and the headline is, This weird rock naturally glows in the dark, and now scientists have figured out how. So you could say it's the platypus of rocks. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, I was actually thinking that. Like, we l- talked about glowing platypuses last week, and... Um, now we can talk about glowing rocks. The afterglow of the mineral hackmanite, or otherwise known as, I'm going to attempt to pronounce this, tenebrescent sodalite, All right. is a fascinating natural phenomenon that has long been a mystery to scientists. Uh, even if we are now able to engineer synthetic materials that glow in the dark, um, similarly. Now a new study published in the journal Chemistry of Materials outlines exactly how certain types of hackmanite retain some of their glow as they move from bright to dark settings. Um, I didn't clearly state this, but basically this rock is just a glow-in-the-dark rock. Sweet. That's all you need to know. And I so love th- that. Um, they were studying 
more of like the actual chemistry of like why that happens. Cause I think some of it's understood, but it wasn't like, not all of it was understood. So this is just like furthering scientific understanding of how they glow. Okay. So basically what they found out was that the key to like the glow effectiveness basically is actually impurities in like the mineral in oh. the, in the rock, um, which can, can be varied depending on like how it forms. So like not everyone is the same because it, they're not all, you know, they're not all exactly the same because it's a natural substance. And irregular. <laughs> right. Um, getting a better understanding of how heckmanite can emit white luminescence in dark conditions will help scientists develop synthetic materials able to glow in the dark without any source of power for use on things like emergency exit science, things like that. Hmm. So that's like the application of this type of like materials science research. Um, a combination of both experimental and computational data was studied to determine that the concentrations and balance of sulfur, potassium, titanium, and iron were most important when it came to the afterglow given off by hackmanite. In particular, titanium was found to be the element actually glowing, with the glow itself powered by electron transfer somehow. I don't really oh. understand how, okay. but... There's titanium in it, and there's electrons moving around, and that's why it glows. In a really, really, really simplified description, yeah. that's right. how you would describe it. If you say so. Um, but then they they said again, it, it's not the titanium on its own. It's like the mix of titanium plus certain ratios of those other elements that cause it to to happen, basically. Huh. So, yeah. Um and the researchers said that uh, synthetic materials can be improved and made more efficient and reliable through these sorts of studies. So they're going to continue looking at these. And um, that knowledge will hopefully be applied to cool materials in the future. And platypi. And maybe platypi. Maybe platypi are just like made of titanium. I mean, I mean at this point, at this point would like, it surprise us? That's, no, it wouldn't surprise you If there was a study tomorrow that was like, 10% of the platypus's like cell makeup is titanium. I'd be like, okay. Sure. <laughs> like, all right, sure. Like, yeah, I just the don't believe The rest is Kevlar and also they can fly. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, whatever. <laughs> Probably. I believe it. Yeah, believe sure. It. It's just like, Why what, not? what even are they? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. We don't know. My next story is technology news. This is from MSN and my dad. Virgin's Hyperloop carries passengers for the first time. Whoa. Remember the Hyperloop? Yeah. A thing that's like a vacuum that just like, just, I don't know actually how it works. It just like, <laughs> yeah, somehow it by it being a vacuum, it propels like a little container yes. of people really fast. And didn't we say we'd be fine with other people testing it, but yep. not us? And now some other yeah. people have tested it. All right. And I want to say All I right. still don't want to do it. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, so the Virgin Hyperloop made its first journey carrying passengers on Sunday in a test the company claimed represented a major step forward for the for the technology. I don't think they have to claim that. I think that's just true. <laughs> um, but the... <laughs> The Hyperloop is intended to carry passengers and small pods through a vacuum tube, with proponents arguing it could revolutionize high-speed travel. Uh, Virgin says the Hyperloop will be able to reach top speeds of 671 miles per hour, projecting a 45-minute journey from Los Angeles to San Francisco, and will produce no carbon emissions. Uh, so All right. check and check. 
Um, two Virgin employees made the 500-meter journey in a two-person vehicle in just 15 seconds wow. at a test site in the Nevada desert. So it was a 500-meter test loop, I guess. And, yeah, it was successful. They're fine. It's really fast. <laughs> um, passenger Sarah Luchin told the BBC she felt the trip was, quote, exhilarating both psychologically and physically, and she reported no discomfort. So, Okay. Granted, she was only on it for all of 15 seconds, so who knows how, how it would do in like yeah. a longer-term setting. But uh, once brought into regular, regular use, the pods will be able to transport up to 28 people at a time, Virgin says, with larger models for moving pod or moving goods also in development. So like freight oh, pods, yeah. essentially. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, they, they did it. They put some people in one and made them go, and they're fine. Wow. Still not ready. So I want to see a lot more people go through. <laughs> yeah. My concern is still what if it stops really fast? Yeah, what That's if it my stops concern. really fast? That's not good. Because like, okay, if you think about it, airplanes go like super, super fast, but there's not like anything physical around that could like accidentally make your plane stop really fast. Like it's just exactly. can't, not gonna happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, unless you crash into a mountain. Okay. But that's happened like once. Okay. Of a big passenger plane. I don't know, but anyway, you you know what I mean. But like, if you're if you're in a ground vehicle of any type, I feel like things can happen where your thing has to like slow down and stop. Yeah. And when it's traveling, or what if it's speed, like going that, that speed and like something goes wrong with its stopping yeah. mechanism and it just or that. collides into the end? Like even that. Ah. Uh, uh, no, thank you. I, it, I'm not it, ready yet. Uh, I don't think I'm ready yet either. Yeah. I would, if I had to choose between going in that thing and going in a driverless car, I'd pick the driverless car. Oh, yeah, because, well, the driverless car is never going to be going fast enough that you can't be, nope, and there's... Well, yeah, but arguably there's still some risk in going in a driverless car, right? Oh, I think course, it's way yeah. less than that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in a driverless car going 671 miles per hour, thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Which is essentially what this is, except right. it's on a track. It's on a track, but still... Still. This this podcast not brought to you by the people who made that technology. Yeah, not brought to you by Virgin or driverless car people or airlines <laughs> or just cars really in general anyone or right anyone. Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, I, it's cool that they're they're succeeding with it, though. I mean, it's I'm all I'm all for continuing testing and and yeah. furthering it. I just don't personally feel comfortable. Yeah. Like you. It's just like a really fast roller coaster, and those right. break down all the time. Yes, they do. So yes, they do. No thanks. All right, my next story is world news. This is from ArsTechnica.com, and this is actually also about really fast technology. Ooh. Alphabet delivers wireless internet over light beams from twenty kilometers away. They're shooting us with the internet. Uh huh. Directly into your brain. That's how it works, right? Yeah, they're just, they're just, they're just, every person is going to be like a conduit for their internet. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. We um, all have to link hands and then we'll they be. Fig- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Alphabet, which is the Google's parent company, in case you didn't know that they changed their name like five years ago or oh, whatever that was. Yeah, it's been a while now. Um, they have come up with a technology that can beam internet over a wireless, wireless like towers that have line of sight with each other. Okay. And they have announced that uh, the project's called Project Tara, and they've decided that they're actually going to implement this technology in Africa. 
specifically Kenya first. And the reason is that there are um, remote parts of the country that where it's like really difficult to actually get internet there because it's hard or, or impossible to like dig the cables because mm-hmm. there's like rivers or like the way that the landscape is makes oh, it really okay. hard. And so they're trying this out instead because all that they need is basically two towers that have line of sight with each other. So like up high on a hill or something and they can beam the signal back and forth that way. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. What if a bird flies in the way? That was my first thought too. I'm like, what if something gets in the way of it? Does your internet go out? Like, yeah. Or do you just like lose a couple packets or something? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what if a person just goes like this, <laughs> uh, just stands in front I of mean, it? I mean, I imagine that's why you'd want it to be pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the statement from the Project Tara general manager, the official description of the project. Project Tara is working to expand and enhance affordable high-speed internet to communities across several networks in sub-Saharan Africa. Tara's links will begin rolling out across Liquid Telecom's networks in Kenya first and will help provide high-speed connectivity in places where it's challenging to lay fiber cables or where deploying fiber might be too costly or dangerous. Um, In the same way traditional fiber uses light to carry data through cables in the ground, Tara uses light to transmit information at very high speeds as a very narrow invisible beam. This beam is sent between two small terminals to create a link. A single Tara link can cover distances up to 20 kilometers and can transmit bandwidth of up to 20 uh, gigabits per second. Is that the right? Yeah. Gigabytes? Gigabits? That's really fast. Yeah. It's fast and it's efficient, according to them. I I guess it's, yeah, just unimpeded light, so of course it would be fast. Yeah, like (laughs) what's the resistance there? Just air? Air. Versus in cabling, you have actually physical right. resistance involved there, right? Yeah. Get, getting a little technical there, but yeah. yeah. The, no, I think the only way it could be any better is if it was like in space, right? Yeah. Yeah, just like or in a, in a in vacuum. vacuum. Yep. Like a hyperloop. Like a hyperloop. Wait a minute. <laughs> Put the internet in the hyperloop. Put the okay. internet in the hyperloop. <laughs> That'll solve everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's um, the concept, I think... According to them, they're pretty confident it'll, it'll work, and so they're they're trying it out there because that's where there's a lot of need because there's a lot of remote areas that where they can't put the cabling. So, I would imagine that like if it works well, they will start expanding that to other countries. You know, right? Um, that's kind of just where they decided to do it first. So, yeah, I was gonna say that the the idea behind it seems sound. I'm just like, what if there's a bird, or what if like I don't know if there's like a lens involved or something. Like, what if something gets dirty? Hmm. I don't know. And that's the part where I'm just, I'm skeptical. Yeah. But, like, it sounds cool. I, I think it's cool they're trying it. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if, like, the weather affects this, too. Like That's a good point, yeah. If it's raining or something. Yeah, although it's like a raindrop yeah. going inter, to, like, interfere. I don't know. Like, I wonder if this technology just wouldn't work well in a, in a country where there, it was, like, snowing most of the year or something like that. Right. Like, you Somewhere maybe less, couldn't do it. Less arid. Yeah. In sub-Saharan Africa, yeah. I don't know. It's super interesting, though. I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd be I curious to see. <laughs> awesome. I'd be curious to see how it's working in like a couple years once they have it yeah. actually up and running. All right, it's time for breaking news—the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Recall. Recall. Ready, set, set go. go! All right. This is from Fox News, and it's an oldie, but a good, well, not a goodie. It's bad. Oh. 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 
The CDC oh. is investigating an E. coli breakout potentially linked to romaine lettuce. Oh, no. It's a classic. No. Not again. Do I need to come up with special music for these? For specifically for romaine lettuce stories? <laughs> yeah. Because oh, no. Was this in our first episode that we talked about it? I think so. It was in either the first or the like, second one. Yeah, it was yeah. It was really early. Yes. Um, but, yeah, uh, romaine, romaine lettuce at it again. Uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention launched an investigation into a multi-state outbreak of E. coli potentially linked to contaminated romaine lettuce after 12 people fell ill with five requiring hospitalization. Uh, the investigation is different from two other E. coli outbreaks previously reported. No further details on those, so I don't know how recent or what those are referring to. Um, but it may be related to Tanamura and Antel lettuce, which is the brand name, um, which was recalled on November 6th. The company recalled its packaged single-head lettuce um, after Michigan officials identified E. coli in routine sampling. No, death, no deaths have been reported, but consumers are advised not to eat, sell, or serve Tanamura and Antel's Recalled packaged single head romaine lettuce. A lot of adjectives in that. Um, according to the recall notice, a total of 3,396 cartons of potentially affected product were distributed in stores located in, you ready for the state list? I'm ready. Alaska, Oregon, uh, California, Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Indiana, Nebraska, Montana, Tennessee, Wisconsin, New Mexico, South Carolina, Washington, North Carolina, Ohio, no. Virginia, Massachusetts, Puerto Rico, and Illinois. I don't know what the order was on that list because <gasps> it was not alphabetical yeah. or anything that I could tell. <laughs> it wasn't geographical. Puerto Rico just it thrown wasn't... in the middle there. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was territory oh, no. just sloshed on in. But it's, yeah, it's. Not the romaine. Not the, well, yes, the romaine. I mean, yes, St- the romaine. If you're still eating romaine at this point, Look at your life. Like, look at your choices. I just, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm, I just feel bad for the people that sell romaine. Like, yeah. I, I don't but think at this point, it's probably you, not their fault. Be, although, is it their fault? Should we be growing Who's something else at this it? point? <laughs> should you be growing a different lettuce? Maybe. <laughs> maybe you maybe maybe, something maybe, different. The, maybe you should. Romaine, you know about the outbreaks. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, I have something uh, from NPR.org. Um, there's been another botched art uh, restoration. No. <sighs> yeah. These always make me so sad. Yeah. This time it's a sculpture. Oh, no. That seems even more dangerous. <laughs> um, a third dimension. <laughs> yeah, it's in Spain. Um, eh. Okay, the botched work is being. I'm just. I'm reading this live. Um, a the botched work is being likened to a potato head. Oh no! According to this article, um, this happened in Palencia, Spain, and I, I guess this was just a statue on a bank, randomly. Okay, so, so not like a it's famous not like work a, of art. No, it okay. wasn't a famous work of art, but it was a it statue. Wasn't like the David. <laughs> No, thank goodness. Um, it was just like a statue of this lady, and I guess they had somebody try to like restore it because it was like really weathered, and um, they did not do a good job. Uh, let me show you the before and after. I'm Are you ready? Simultaneously excited and terrified. Oh no! <laughs> it's really bad. Oh, that is really bad. How? What? Those are supposed to be eyes. Yeah. Oh, no. what? How? 
Like, what? how did I just some of these things? Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm having the same reaction as you. I've never done sculpture in my life, and I feel like I would have made it look better than yeah, this. Yeah, or at least would have stopped when I was like, wait a second, this isn't looking like anything. We should call in a professional. We should call in someone Why else. Why don't they ever, like, yeah. ask these people to show some previous work? Like, even if they haven't restored yeah, I, something, at least be like, here's a sculpture that I made, and see if they have, like, some iota of artistic ability. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good question. Like, how are these people getting these jobs? I don't know. Something must be different in their culture than in the American culture, maybe. Because I, I feel s- like people here are super suspicious of everyone for like every like any <laughs> anyone that they're going to hire to do anything. They're just right. like super scrutinizing them. Like, yeah. are you going to do a good job? Like before, is that just my perception, or do you think that that's true? No, I think that's a that's fair. At least, yeah, I I, I can't speak for other countries, obviously. So I, I yeah, I, we, I can't. We either. don't know. We don't know don't necessarily. Know. But I will say. I can still to this day picture that botched Jesus picture in my head. And does that say something about the art? <laughs> that it's so memorable? Um, I think you're right, because I also can still picture it. I can vividly with vivid clarity. Oh yeah, I can vividly picture this. Whereas I like I don't remember what the original picture looked like. What the original painting looked like. Yeah, I kind of remember the original painting, but it's just kind of, you know, fuzzy, but like the Like in the, the sense new that it was version. an interpretation of Jesus. That's about all I got from the original. But the new one, it was very unique. Yeah, and what is art but just making things that are unique and memorable yeah. that people want to look at? I think the difference here is that you don't usually destroy something else yeah. to achieve that goal. Right. But still, right. just thought I'd throw that out there. I will never forget that statue either. It will haunt my dreams. Well, maybe. I was just about to be like, this statue looks like something from a, a horror movie, to be honest, mm-hmm. actually. The new one. Or a Picasso, frankly. It could be Picasso. It could be Picasso. But not in like a genius way. <laughs> More like a, a child like a... stuck its fingers in wet cement. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News, on Twitter at at News, and on Instagram at News. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye.